Running Sentences presents All Hail Zipzog, Part 8 Terms and Agreements. Zipzog is taking his anger out on Rufus, who finds himself just along for this crazy ride. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and incidences within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real incidences, real locations, real businesses, and or any other stories, fictional, real, or otherwise, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2022, Michael Henry. All rights reserved. When the flash of light finally subsided from Rufus's vision, he blinked. Partly because his eyes needed to adjust, and partly because he was sure that in front of him was an iron gate with a bridge leading up to it, and lava flowing under said bridge. The gate was adorned with ghastly, dripping red substances, was all over the wrought iron bars. This liquid, though, avoided the gate sign, which proudly stated, Welcome to Hell. Step right up and we shall be with you in three to five millennia. Welcome to your new home, Rufus. Oh, so I've been killed in a godly act, have I, Zipzog? No, not yet, but shortly if you don't clean up your act, yes. This is merely a preview of what is to come. Zipzog, who had been behind him, placed his hand on his back and pushed Rufus towards the bridge. On this bridge, he did not feel terribly comfortable crossing it because it only arched a little over the lava river, and there were spits and burbles of lava that kept threatening to come up over the rocky substance on the ground he stood on. It was only a few feet from one side to the other, and the lava kept coming and coming and making it more uncomfortable, especially with the heat and all of the threatening to swallow up this little bridge that seemed to not be very far from where the lava stood. Another push from Zipzog sent him on his way across the bridge. On the other side, he found the gate to hell itself and a podium that had a bell on top of it. Rufus went up to the bell and picked it up, as the gate seemed locked by chains and so on, and a firm, key-coated lock that didn't look like it wanted to move. With a shake, he rang the old-style bell, that clanged back and forth, and then put it back in its spot. He settled in to wait for something to happen, supposedly to three to five millennia. Archie, please reveal yourself. Hiding in plain sight is below the forms of all demons. It's not funny. A figure shimmered into existence behind the podium, looking both humanoid, but it also had hooves for hands, and a few spiky horns on top of its head. It's sort of a half-horse, half-human-like appearance, which was sort of made it seem humanoid. Rufus felt like it was a weird but okay sight, and his mind just accepted. What bothered him, though, was that it was wearing a fancy dress suit, which seemed to be singed on all of the, the edges that were still burning. Well, well, a god has come down to bless hell with its presence, and to apparently hand-deliver a human. Very relevant indeed. Well, not here to deliver him. 
What's the latest show and what's in store? Oh, a tour. It's been years since we've done one of those. I do hope things are still working. Oh well, come along. Archie, the demon, clapped together their hand hooves, which caused the gate to suddenly spin the lock, and then opened the door when the chains fell away. Rufus stood there, wondering what lie ahead for him. He looked over at Zipzog, who seemed to have grown even bigger since the last time he'd seen him. Rufus judged this thought as he moved towards the gate itself. It was possible that the god could grow bigger, but it was also possible that they'd just made him shorter. He further glanced around to see if Ryan was there, but saw no sight of his friend, which was good, he hoped. The other side of the gate came to an abrupt stop and a massive lake of lava appeared just a few short feet beyond. How he could not have seen this when looking at the gate frustrated Rufus. This was going to be a place of many tricks, he reminded himself. Not all would look as it appeared. This hoofed creature that was leading them brought them to what looked to be a boat launch in the dock area, but there were no boats here. Oh yes, it has certainly been a while since anyone has crossed the Lake of Gloomy Sticks but I'm sure a few old souls will soon let us cross. You still use the souls of humans to make objects down here? You know, make things and... Yes, yes, yes. Though it does mean if we don't get any new souls to torture, we are all stuck using the old ones. And those souls don't know modern technology. They have no ideas. And so we get stuck with old stuff. I want new technology. Why don't your old souls come down more? The question was directed at Rufus, who was just confused, lost, and trying to take in all of this, as a dinky vessel made of wood, and steered by a man in the back of this dinky boat, appeared. It made its way towards them, bumping to a stop against the stone ground wharf area that they stood on. The man who captained the boat motioned with a bony hand that came out of the black robes that they should get aboard. Rufus was the first to get in, figuring he had no choice since the god or the demon would just push him in anyway, but he kept looking around to make sure that it was a solid enough place to keep him inside of it. The last thing he wanted to do was drop into the lava below, because that would just hurt, and he wondered if it was real. And if you just drop through into an endless pit of nothingness. He soon satisfied himself on this front as much as he could, though he's still worried about the whole thing. Um, so where in the hell are we going? The demon and god both looked at him. Was that a pun? Was that in pun intended, good human? What a horrifying thought, isn't it, Archie? If it was, don't answer the question, Rufus, and uh, don't do puns ever again down here. Um, he looked between the two. Puns are bad? Oh, well, it's just that once you've heard all of the ones about hell, it tends to get a bit annoying. We, of course, easily deal with such matters, and it in no way bothers us demons at all, but, um, yeah, don't go with puns with a groan coming from the bones in the black robe that was their captain. The boat slipped away from the only rocky land that Rufus could see. Their trip across the lake was a warm and uncomfortable affair. 
Rufus felt like he was sweating away all of the water in his body as the lava hissed and spat around him. It felt like it was taking a while to get across this place, with no sign of anything other than lava as far as he could see. Time passed, and then more went by before another groan emanated from the black, robed bones that stood behind them. Not far off, there appeared to be a bunch of humans, all jumping up and down. Rufus wondered if those humans thought they were about to be saved, and hoped that maybe that's in fact what they were doing. He knew, though, that this was not the case. Oh, the lost souls who tried to make the trip all on their own. Ah, oh, what great memories. The boat pulled in close to the people, reaching their arms out for salvation. Rufus moved about the small vessel that contained barely enough room for him, and tried to decide if reaching out for them was a good idea or not. The little dinghy could barely hold the four people aboard anymore, and it would probably sink. The boat was also some ten feet away from the shore, so even if he did reach out, the poor salt would have to jump, and would most likely just fall into the lava below. The quandary of life, isn't it, Rufus? Helping people by not helping them? They must stand on their own two feet and get into and out of mistakes all on their own. Even if they were put there by a demon or a god, Zebzog. Yes, especially so. Any reaching out, though, did not matter, as the bones and robe had pushed them past this semblance of being close to helping with people stuck on the island. They continued their trip across the lava lake gloomy sticks, the island soon behind them and disappearing from view altogether as the boat cut its way through the never-ending lava. Rufus looked to one side and then the other for something to look at. The heat was exhausting, and he felt like he couldn't really look about the place without straining his eyes from the brightness and the harshness of yellow lava. Eventually, he settled onto staring at the hoofed demon who sat in front of him on the boat, in its fancy suit. Is there a problem, dear human? Yeah, it's a bit hard to see anything. I am supposed to be seeing hell. I'm being given a tour, right? And it's landscape of doom, aren't I? Yes, yes, you are, Rufus, but uh, you will have to wait until we land. There is nothing of value to see at the lava lake known as Gloomy Sticks. It's just lava. You don't really need to see. Rufus tried to turn to look at the god who was behind him, but with all of the burning brightness that irritated his eyes, all he could do was make out the shadowy outlines of Zipzog and the captain behind him. Well, when do we get there? I feel like I'm about to lose my vision if this keeps up. Zipzog turned slightly. Uh, driver? A groan emanated from the back, which Rufus did not understand, and he just sighed. Oh good, shortly apparently. Yes, in exactly a few minutes we shall arrive back on rocky ground. It did take a few minutes to elapse before the rocky shore suddenly appeared before them. The boat nearly ground itself into this rock but the captain deftly guided the boat at the last second to allow them to straddle the side of this land. Rufus took the chance to get off and jumped onto the solid stone. It felt nice to be back on land, and he looked about, blinking, to see if his vision was returning. The bland whiteness which had taken over his vision was beginning to fade. 
he wondered how he knew that land was in front of them and to get off the boat. I am God, and I wished it so, so it has to be, Rufus. Really, are you thinking any more? Most people can put together a few simple thoughts. I told you, in your mind, to jump across the rocks. You really think I'm going to let you go around without vision? Sorry for thinking about things. Rufus resisted trying to be any more sarcastic than that, as he knew it would only lead to more trouble. Not that he was getting out of this trouble that he was already in, but one should still be polite at the very least. Zipzog had already begun walking, and the feeling of a hoof at his back made Rufus jump. We are headed places, dear human. The most fun places. No move, please. Rufus did as he was told. The stony ground soon gave way to a metal-graded platform, which then narrowed to walkways, and Rufus plodded along, looking around. As his vision was now back in place, the platform walkways went over a pit that was pitch black, and the only light came from a few torches that sat on top of the railings of this metal grates that they were on. Uh, so far as Zipzog, I haven't really seen much other than lost souls on an island. If this is supposed to terrify me in some manner, to hell isn't living up to its name. Oh, calm down, Rufus. We don't want to scare you too much, so we aren't showing you all the flipping inside-out machines and stuff like that. Or the needle press. Or the finger snapper. This is the calm, nice walk through the tame section of hell. It's simple showmanship. Their walk continued on the platform with Rufus, not believing a word Zipzog was saying anymore, although an awful moan seemed to be welling up from down in the darkness, which was not what he wanted to hear. Rufus felt like it was going up and down his spine, and did his best to speed up to get across these graves. When the platform came to an end, it spilled out onto a stone pathway, and one with dirt all around it. It was an odd sensation to be able to walk on the ground again. He enjoyed the moment as they plodded forward towards a hedge, which turned into many hedges, had all of the looks of a maze beyond. Welcome to our little garden. It isn't much, but we appreciate the little things here in hell, like dirt. Rufus looked back at Archie, who was holding his hands out, and soon realized that the demon was talking about the ground that they were walking on. For a second, he thought the hedges might be the garden, but then figured that something nice probably wouldn't be in hell, and green hedges looked nice. So obviously they were hiding something, and he was not referring to what lie ahead. You do mean the ground we are on right now, right? Yes, indeedy. This is our garden. Oh, well, I suppose dirty ground is nice in its own way. You do keep things simple down here in hell. Down? Isn't hell down from earth and heaven? Oh, no, 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 no. We're right next door to heaven. It's just a hop, step, and a jump over. Quite literally. Wait. Didn't you say that, uh, that gods don't come down here often? I, I, remember, I remember that. Oh, that's just old talk. We all read the text that humans made to explain things away. And for some reason, some of it stuck with us. 
Anyway, we're just about at our first real stop. Take put a little fear in you. Zipzog had disappeared beyond one of the hedges, and while Rufus had alternated between looking at the hoofed creature known as Archie and the dirt at his feet, he paused and then looked around for the god who didn't appear to be in sight. Rufus then took a few steps forward towards the hedges, careful not to step beyond to the other side. Is there a problem, human? It is just a hedge. It won't bite you or take your head off. Though I should definitely suggest such things on the next grand meeting for dumb ways to scare our souls and to take them. I'm not scared, I just oh, I wanted to see where Zipzog had gone before I go charging in. One never knows what a god is up to and he could jump out and do unspeakable things to try and scare me into his way of thinking. He doesn't need to jump out to do that. You know that, right? Well, yeah, but with how he does things with me, you know, he could do it. Um, so that's what I expect. The unexpected with Zipzog. The demon, Archie, shook his head and then pushed Rufus with a hoof towards the space. Rufus resisted as he still wasn't entirely sure what was beyond the first thick hedge. All he could see was green hedges, and that was distorting his perception of depth and what was around him. He looked to the ground and saw green grass tied the whole thing together with the hedges reaching all the way to the ground. Rufus blinked a few times. Really, it is not that bad, Mr. Human. So what if you might get lost for an eternity inside of a hedge maze? So what? There are much worse fates in hell. Now go. The hoof pushed hard, and he found himself going in whether he wanted to or not. The hedges greeted him by shaking as Rufus found his footing on the, on the grass below. The hoof had not been gentle with him, and he nearly tripped over the grass, and but caught himself. Stupid demon. He looked to his left and right, trying to get a better idea of where he was. It all looked the same, which was not a great help, and a sigh came as he turned and trudged his way to the right, looking to see what dangers lie ahead of him. At first, none appeared, but the feeling of the hedges alone felt like he was on a narrow path and something was going to happen, and they all looked the same, and just it was unnerving to him. Though the more he walked the place, it felt like the path he was on was now suddenly gone. All he could see was green hedges and, and the occasional opening that went deeper in, he assumed. So far, nothing scary or weird, but as he passed by another cut in the hedges, a figure shot past. Rufus had walked past and came to a stop, and then backed up to see if he could see this figure again. But as he leaned across this lane to check this other side of the maze, there was no one there. Up and down he looked, a sprinkle of something off, going up and down his body. Hello? Anyone there? The thought of someone responding seemed silly now that the words were out of his mouth, but it seemed like that was the right thing to do. His mind settled on the thought that, that this was a place where souls got lost to endlessly go around a maze of hedges. Not the worst of all things to come across, but it would be a bit much if one never got out. wasn't sure whether or not the idea of being stuck in here alone endlessly pursuing walls 
was scary or not. So Rufus pressed further inward, looking about and feeling very lonely, except for an occasional shadowy figure passing by from one of the entrances. He did his best to ignore them as he picked his way around the place, a few dead ends here and there, and much walking back the way he came, or so he felt, maybe it wasn't the same, and while keeping his eyes peeled for anything as his feet got him through this place. But it did take some time. Zipsog and the demon Archie greeted him as he stepped out and could see a vast area of dirt before him. Rufus stopped and looked back at the maze. Had he? The entrance and the exit are the same, aren't they? Yes, indeed they are, Rufus. So you can figure things out after all. I was beginning to worry that my prophet was a bit dull. Ah well, shall we move on? The demon and God had already started turning to walk off, and Rufus was desperately shaking his head. Why show him this? It wasn't scary. It didn't make him think twice about his choices. His feet had already started to follow the two, wondering what was next and how bad could this possibly be. The last part made him think more as he realized he was indeed following them. A rock wall came into view as they trudged across the dirt ground garden. The closer they got, the more holes appeared in the face of it. The two in front of him had vanished again, leaving Rufus alone to walk towards this wall. His pace took him right up to the wall itself, where a cavern entrance stood. There were rattles and hissing noises coming from inside, but he strolled up and was swallowed by the inner darkness of this cave. It was dark inside this place, and the hisses seemed to have grown a lot louder. Rufus stared and listened. He couldn't see much, even as his eyes adjusted, but there was still some stuff that he could make out. A snake-like shadowy figure was dancing about in the dark. The slither of this form seemed to be chasing something in the darkness. He wondered if this was some Gorgonzola-like monster, then blinked. That was a cheese, not a mythical McCreek monster, though some might argue about its pungentness put it up there with monsters. His stare at the strange movement was hypnotizing, as it went back and forth with hisses and rattles, and the name Medusa finally came to him. There wasn't any snake-like hair things, though, so maybe not a Medusa, but maybe a Medusa, maybe a different Medusa. He couldn't decide, and not being able to see much, he wondered if he should go forward or just get back out of this cave. Oh, a brave one I see. Uh, I guess, um, who are you? He looked forward again to see a large humanoid snake figure in an unshocking fashion, snaking its way forward towards him. He could now make out the snake woman, but her features were still hidden in darkness. I am the demon Hiss. You are? Rufus Xavier, Taurus, thanks to the god Zipzog, who I pissed off. Oh, what fun. He dropped you off here, showing you the sights of what's to come? Um, uh, I guess. Uh, mostly to put fear into me, though, and to make me help him. I haven't really seen shit, though, that would make me scared or fear anything. Aside from the dirt garden and the maze of hedges, those weren't really scary, though. I just didn't really see shit in here, though. Oh, you poor baby. You can come join me in the dark underworld here. 
Your eyes will get used to things in no time at all. I already have a girlfriend and a life I'd like to return to, but thanks. Uh, hiss? Do you really think you can go back? There was an odd hiss behind her words, and he began to take a few steps backwards, hoping to find the entrance. But since it was pitch black here, and there was no light coming from an entrance, he didn't know whether there was an entrance anymore. He could not see it around here anywhere, and the possibility of the darkness swallowing it just up frightened him. The entrance had been just a few feet away, had it not? You seem scared of something, mister. Is there a problem? Uh, yes. You're pretending to be nice, and... You're probably planning to eat me or do something to me. Uh, demons are one-trick ponies who like to do things to people. How cruel of you to say that. I don't like the taste of humans. The flesh is too muscly on some and fatty on others. They really do not breed well for tasty snacks. I will make an exception for you, though. You might just be right. Her snake form moved forward with little effort, and all Rufus could do was continue to back up as much as possible. He did not want any of this, and his feet were not responding with any speed. She lunged. He jumped as hard as he could, in some direction, hoping that she would not be able to follow. Through some sort of luck, Rufus stumbled and slash jumped out of the cave and into the bright blinding area that was the Garden of Dirt. He blinked many times, trying to readjust to his new surroundings, the sound of a hiss and wail of despair behind him. Come to me, little one. The outside is bad. Rufus took more than a few steps away from the cave to put some space between him and hiss. He didn't know if she could or could not come out of the caves, but he was certainly hoping that she couldn't. Enjoying your tour, Rufus. The voice of Zipzog turned him as he looked over to his left, where the gods stood. It's a grand old time, but it certainly isn't an easy one. Because I'm supposed to see stuff, but you don't show me stuff I can see. Yes, heaven and hell are a bit much. They blind you with radiance and decadence and, well, horrors, I suppose. The, the definition certainly changes upon location with each place. Hell, the decadence is more simple, but horrifying, and not as radiant, perhaps. Eh, well, anyway, come with me, we have more to see. The god and his demon friend began walking across the open space of a dirt garden once again. This left Rufus standing there trying to gather himself. So far, he hadn't been scared, well, he'd been a little bit frightened of the hiss, because he did not like the idea of being eaten by a snake. But it hadn't been that bad. It was definitely creepy, and it was getting up there on the Valley of Emotions. But since his only way out of hell was to lie through Zibzong, he decided to pretend that it wasn't that bad. He picked up his one foot and then the other as he trailed behind the two weird things, creatures or gods or whatever one wanted to call them. The turgid walk took them time, but eventually something new loomed into sight. It was but a blur of a thing that Rufus could not make out from the distance that they were at. 
He took it in stride, though, since things were not as they appeared, as always, with Hell. But he did move a few feet faster to catch up to this god and demon. Uh, so, Zipzog, what's next on the chain of showing me things, but not showing me things? Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. You probably get a head start on what is ahead. We call it the cages. Cages. Like animal cages, or... Well, some might be like animal cages, where the animals can't move an inch. Others might be like a prison cell, or... What's the other type of cell in prison that you humans have created? Solitary. Yes, that one. Might be like that, but with torturous things attached to the walls. Rufus found himself slowing now. Just torturous devices attached to the walls, or do they move and cause the soul harm, or what when they come in contact? Oh, explain a little bit, please? Oh, you will see. In a matter of time, Rufus did see a big metal cage. That was the first one that they came across. It had metal spikes all pointed towards the interior, and did not look very friendly and all of the spikes seemed to have dried blood, and a few had bones stuck onto them. Rufus looked about for a doorway in, but could see none, and this structure seemed to stretch out very far on either side that would not allow him to just walk around it to see more of it, not that he wanted to see more of it. As you can see, Rufus, you get put into this one from the top, where a small hole lies. Of course, this is the only escape one can get. One must find a way to get past all of these sharp spikes to get out. The spikes are slippery, of course, even with the dried blood on them. And, well, if you slip in the wrong move, whoops, you get spiked. Rufus shuddered at the thought of his hand sliding on a spike covered in someone else's blood. He found himself moving forward. He did not want to see if anyone was inside, nor did he want to go in there. When they moved beyond this long and seemingly never-ending first cage, it took them a little while to get to the second one. This one was not nearly as pronounced as the previous one. It was only a tiny closed box to look at, and it just stood there surrounded by the swaths of garden dirt as far as the eye could see. Rufus looked it over as he got closer, noting that once again there appeared to be no door into this cage. In fact, he couldn't even see into the cage. Uh, so is this solitary, with no way in or out once you get put there by someone, with however you get them in there in the first place? Zipzog nodded and went over and smacked the side of the building, which caused Rufus to flinch. No noise. There was no noise from inside the place, but still, if someone had been in there, what would have happened inside was not a pretty thought. Yes, yes, yes. Plus, there's a grate at one's feet. And below, under this grate, there's spitting lava that's flowing past. And to make things extra fun for those stuck in there, the grate can get bigger, making it so that your feet can suddenly slip through or make you feel safer by getting smaller. But either way, you eventually plunge downward. Ah! Whoops, there goes another one apparently. But don't worry, they will soon pop back into the box and repeat the whole 
process. Rufus felt like he should say something like this was inhumane to do such things, but it was hell, and hell didn't care much about inhumane. He searched his mind for anything to bring some further light to this, but came up empty. So you're wondering why we're showing you all of this, aside from trying to scare you into submission? It is a fair question, Rufus, my prophet. This, of course, is the life that awaits you, should you say no, to my request. But I also feel like any person who has a religious epiphany should know what lies beyond and what they have to come back from. Then you're going to show me heaven as well. Oh, no, 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 no. It's too bright and shiny for fragile humans. We can't have you plaguing up our doorsteps. But I will show you purgatory if you wish. Does it look something like earth, only nothing is alive there? Yes, a bit, Rufus, yes. I'll pass, then. And is this chamber the last thing you wanted to show me? Oh, no, one more thing. If you follow this stone pathway, please. Zibzog signaled that Rufus should turn to his left. He did so and saw a bright green pathway had emerged from the ground. Rufus shook his head at the sight and wondered why green was chosen to the color to go with, but then just got on to it because at this point it was the least of his worries. They walked for a while and then stopped a few times since Rufus could not just walk forever and ever like a god could. He was still a human despite probably being just a soul in this place. His imagination wandered about with this thought and looked quizzically over at Zipzog, who was staring off into the distance at where their next stop would be. The god either did not want to answer the thought or something else was going on. This only made Rufus wonder even more if this wasn't some weird in-between place that he found himself in. Rufus, who sat down on the green stones, slowly got up. If no answers were forthcoming, then he'd simply have to keep going, and the growing blob off in the distance seemed like their location that they were headed. With no gusto whatsoever, he began walking again, heading along this path, watching everything. But alas, the dirt garden seemed to surround them here as well, and provided nothing to look at. A town popped into view and grew bigger and bigger as they approached it. With quite a few towering skyscrapers dominating the landscape, Rufus blinked at the sight many times to make sure that he was seeing things exactly right. But it wasn't disappearing, and they were now just about on the edge of this town, place, city, whatever it was. Um, Zipzug? Care to explain? Home for many demons and souls. We don't keep them trapped up in torture all day long. That would be torture for everyone. No, we take breaks and need to recharge to do it all over again the next day. It, we, we don't really have days, but you get the point. Plus, it gives souls something to think about before they have to go through the whole process again. Rufus, who had been walking in the lead of the group of the three, and had completely forgotten that Archie, the demon, was there and glanced back at the creature. What he said seemed silly, but there was also a logicalness to it. Why gods and demons would need that was probably going beyond what Rufus could understand, so he shook his head. 
Yes, Rufus, this town is an oddity, but it holds the last sight that you need to see. We should hurry, though. Why are we hurrying now? Demon buses run on a strict schedule. Miss the last one, and you might be waiting for months or years for the next one to roll by. Rufus was about to complain about that, that that was ridiculous, since didn't they just say that souls and demons went to and from work here? Why would the buses only visit one area once every while or so? Wouldn't that make hell and torture move too slowly? However, Zipzog, who had said this, had grabbed one side of him, and then Archie grabbed the other side, pulling him into the city. He was dragged to a bus stop, where a few demons and souls were waiting, milling about for said bus. Rufus was let go of here and was about to protest the harsh treatment when a cloud of smoke roared up and covered the surroundings. It came to a screeching stop, whatever it was, and he could only cough and cover his mouth, trying to wipe away the smoke and dust from his vision. It was slow to clear when it had nominally done so, he was grabbed once again by the demon and god and hurried aboard what looked to be a bus. The bus, if one wanted to call it that, was not much of one. Rufus was hustled towards a seat with Zibzog and Archie, keeping him between them. When they did get seated and Rufus could see what was going on, he discovered a vehicle with lots of rows of seats, all set to weird angles that went this way and that. And there was also no top to this bus. He wondered what trouble that was going to cause, as the vehicle suddenly felt like it was moving again, and his vision soon became a blur of dust and blue vehicle fumes crowding everything out. They rattled their way blindly down this road, down a road, if it was a road, and Rufus could only wave his hands, trying to see, but accomplishing little other than waving smoke away from his face. On they went, several times stopping with the dust just about settling before they took off again in a herky-jerky movement. At about the seventh time, the bus came to a stop again, and Zipzog and Archie both stood up. Rufus was pulled up alongside them, and they began walking towards the exit. Rufus went along, lost in thought and trying to figure out if it was the seventh stop or not, since he'd lost track and, well, the dust had caused him to sort of lose what was going on. And, you know, since he spent most of his time dealing with the dirt and grime that was coming at him. Off they went from the bus and onto the sidewalk, where the dust and blue smoke finally vanished. But they did not come to a stop, instead walking straight towards a skyscraper building that stretched its way Ironically enough, skyward. Able to see again, Rufus did the only thing he felt like he could do after going for such a long ride. He craned his head upward to try and see the top of the building. This attempt did not last long as this quiet lobby greeted them, where everything was pristine and untouched. Rufus had been blasted by air as he stepped through the doorway, and in doing so it cleared him of any of the dust and dirt that had gotten onto him. The second he stepped into the marble floor, his step echoed about the place. It felt dead inside this building, and when he went to open his mouth, Rufus felt like the air and the words he was going to say were just sucked right out. 
Instead, he followed Zibzog and Archie as they went over towards a group of elevators. The call button had been already hit by Zibzog, and a second later, they were hustled into a waiting elevator. This came to a not-so-nice stop, at a floor number that Rufus could not make out. Yes, everything was clean and tidy and looked sharp, but the actual numbers and buttons were indecipherable to him. Plus, for some reason, the elevator had gone down, then up, then down, then up again, and up and up a variety of levels, and it even went left and right at one point, he was pretty sure, but he could not tell. He could feel up and down, but left and right were not so clear. And it finally came to a stop. Rufus could do nothing but get out of the elevator as quickly as possible when the doors did open. Not worth taking a chance of the doors snapping shut on him and sending him down and around again. The elevators did not do that, and the demon and the god easily got off as the trio went down a long hallway and kept going and going. A door popped up in front of them with the god and the demon heading right through it without a second thought, literally. They didn't open it, they went right through it. Rufus took a second as he felt like nothing was making much sense right now and why he was here. He was supposed to be seeing things, but so far he'd seen dust, dirt, smoke, and a very quiet building. But he walked up to the door and opened it and found himself in a conference-style room, with lots and lots of chairs all around a long table, and plenty of electrical outlets put into the table so everyone could plug in at work. And as a result, those workers would not actually pay attention to what was going on at said meeting, but that was an aside. Zibzog merely looked at him, reading Rufus's thoughts, and shook his head as he went around to the far side, and signaled that Rufus should take to the other side. To this, Rufus went down the long table, found a chair across from Zipzog, and sat in it. He was blinking for the merest of seconds, and what had once been an empty table was now filled with boxes and lots of papers. He sat down and looked over at the god who was across from him, and was picking up a paper from the nearest pile to him. Rufus waited for an explanation, but none seemed to be near from this god, or even the demon, who was not around, but was probably around. Um, what is this, Zipzog? Contracts, a basic agreement between two sides to deal with one another. Don't you humans know anything? You did have that one with the lawyer demon, did you not? You handled the demon Gregorian contract or whatever it was. Also, I figured they were some sort of contract, but what I want to know is why and what they're for. Oh, this, and I mean all of this, is the agreement between us, for you to be the prophet for my religion and for me to be your god. Rufus glanced up and down the table and shook his head no. I'd never signed any contracts. Zipzog looked up at the paper that he was holding, and then back down at it. There was an awkward pause as the god slowly placed the paper back down on the table. I'm sorry, Rufus, but you most certainly did. Contracts between gods and prophets are spoken into agreement. We do not need to sign things like silly humans do. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fine, but I, I still never agreed to actually be your prophet. Yes, you did. Ah, uh, no, I did not. Yes. 
No matter how many times you keep saying yes, Zipzog, it does not make it so. To this, Zipzog held out his hand to his right, and a flurry of papers went flying as one in particular came to his hand. When it was firmly in hand, the god held it out in front of Rufus's face. See, your signature is right there, spoken into existence. The line where my signature should be or would be, if it were to be spoken into existence, is blank. The paper was pulled away so that Zipzog could examine it for himself. But it should be right there. The god examined the paper further as Rufus sat back. There was nothing for him to say that wouldn't throw the god into a tizzy, so he sat and looked towards Archie, who had appeared, and brought over a tea set and placed it next to Zipzog. What is the problem? He didn't sign the agreement. He didn't agree to the terms and conditions. He didn't sign his papers. Oh, you failed to garner an agreement. Has this all been for naught, you naughty god? I can't keep you in hell if you've given me false reasons for being here. They aren't false, Archie. It's merely... It's, it's merely been an update in knowledge that happened to have been missed by a few overlookers. The gods have let me down, saying they had my back. I was to be the one to bring the new religion into the world and save the day. It sounds like the god whose mischievous streak in him has had a prank played on him by other gods. I wouldn't put it past them to do so, but I've also been growing stronger, more capable, more able to use my powers. Someone had to believe me either down on earth or with the gods. I would put it down to the fact that you're in hell, which is probably one of your abodes, since you made heaven sound not so great. Also, I believe that you exist, and I'm sure Ryan and Finn would say the same, but as for a new religion, you don't believe in me, do you? Well, I sort of do, Zipsog. It's just, you know... Then say you will be my prophet. Ah, uh, no thanks. I, I've, I've seen what you do. I can't agree to that. Why not? It's got all the perks and benefits of being a god without all of the worry. You threw me into hell and have threatened my entire life and existence. Not to mention that you did something to make my neighbor vanish. Oh, that's just the cost of religion. Now agree to my terms, Rufus. You haven't said what your terms are. How am I supposed to agree to something that takes up a whole table, can't even be read because it would take me years upon years to even dent? Zipzog frowned, a deep and troubled frown that covered his entire face. He seemed to be on the verge of saying something, but nothing was coming. Oh dear, I think I might have a way out of this, but I don't think anyone will like it at all. A demon coming up with a demonic solution? Alright, Archie. That's just what everyone wants to hear. Why not? Oh, please, we are gods too. We just spend it over here where many of the heavenly gods spend their time to get away. Point to Archie, point to you, Archie, point to you. So what have you come up with? Well, it's simple. Reverse time and start again. 
that old trick? It hasn't been used in ages, and the last time one of us did it, a whole Garden of Eden incident occurred. Rufus was getting uncomfortable in his chair. Two gods, or, well, maybe a god, or maybe two demon-like creatures, were apparently planning to do something to him and to time. He didn't like the sound of that, but protesting didn't feel like it would lead to much either. Zibzog was now nodding along with Archie, and a sudden bolt of panic went through Rufus, who had tuned out the conversation to think about things for a second. The two turned and looked at him with curious eyes, a look that did put a bit of scare into him. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, or godly men, or people, or, uh, what are you doing? Zipzog leaned over to the table, the onside contract still on his hand, and popped it in front of Rufus. Oh, you have a choice, my dear prophet. Oh, joy, sign the contract or the world goes poof. Is that what we're going with? Oh, no, no. We don't want to end a good thing we have going on. Well, we we do have a bit of a rush on, but um, gods like to have things to rule over, and you humans make good playthings. So, you know, what, then what are you planning to do? We, unfortunately, can't explain it well enough for you puny humans to understand, see? Rufus glanced over at Archie, who'd said this, and then back at Zip's dog. Are you, you're, you're reversing time? Send me back in time to some moment where you think you can control me? The two looked at one another with sly grins, and then back at Rufus. Have you ever seen the movie about the man who wished to end his life and never have lived. Rufus's mind reeled back to think about this. There was nothing coming to him right this second, though the idea of the movie sounded familiar to him, but it just was not coming to him. It is also a book, if that helps you out. Rufus shook his head no. It was not coming to him, despite all of his efforts. Well, that's unfortunate, but this shall be fun since you failed to agree to my contract. Everything went black. End of part eight. Thank you for listening.